I've been to France, south of France. Isn't that brilliant? I've got a great job, haven't I? <laughs> Go to the south of France uh, on work time. Um, I went with Lamia and a few um, other people here. Uh, Helen Gill, is she around? Helen Gill was there and Nat was there. And did I admit Nat's there? Um, we came to do like a, a youth mission. And my favourite part was when we went on the streets in wherever we were. I don't know, Valence? That was right, wasn't it? And we broke up into little teams to do some street work. And it was great to see these, well, they're uh, 11 upwards, just running after anything in a wheelchair, any person in a wheelchair, any person which looked really like they're really sick. Oh, they were straight running for them, so much having to keep them penned back. Come on, we've got to actually keep, keep some tracks on you. Um, but we found ourselves at one point behind this park, which it was a kind of a, a bit of a dark place behind this park, but that's normally the best place to do some witnessing. And uh, there was a group of guys here, and they looked like they were gambling with money and dice, not quite sure what they were doing. And then there was a group here with lots of alcohol and, and um, well, cannabis. And then there was a group here, and I didn't even go into that group to see what was going on. So I decided to go for the group in the middle and uh, just sat down next to one of them, started talking to him, and just saying I wanted to bless him. And he says, well, I'm a Muslim. I go, that's fine, I can still bless you. And he goes, oh, I not sure I want to mix my religions up. Um, I guess it's a bit like mixing one up. I don't know. It gives you, it gives you a bite or something. They thought I was there to curse them. But anyway, as I'm going around the whole circle, there's, there's, there's about five guys and, and one, one girl. And uh, they're not really interested. And I'm saying, please, I just want to bless you. Has it got any, anything wrong with you? Now, there was one guy who was completely stoned out of his face with this big bandage at the back of his neck. So I was going, ha-ha, you know, I know there's something wrong with you because you've got something on the back of your neck. And he was so stoned, but he didn't really say no. So anyway, I slapped my hands on him and started praying for him. And, uh, and, then, I, and then I stood back, because obviously he's speaking French. I don't speak French, unfortunately. Lamia's translating, and Lamia just starts sniggering as he's translating, because he stands up, something bit sober now, and uh, he, the translation is something like this, my bleepity bleep bleep bleep, what did you do to me? <laughs> the pain had, 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 had severely reduced, but he says, but why else, there's this, there's this presence in my body just feeling my body, what is that? And I'm going, do you want some more? So obviously translated and praying for him some more, and it was great funny, because every time I said Holy Spirit, he was fine. Every time I said Jesus, he'd go, Ugh. Remember, these guys are Muslims, so they don't want me to pray in the name of Jesus, but, you know, I was getting bolder and bolder, thinking I wouldn't get beaten up this time, I don't think. Um, anyway, praying in the name of Jesus, and then I got the youth to pray for him, and he's, he was just absolutely blown away that God would heal him and bless him, and that the presence of God would just overflow on his life. Now, you could say to me, wait a minute, why did he get that, and yet there's so many people in our church more deserving than him? who haven't been healed or haven't felt the presence of God to that degree. Well, I know in, in Acts, Peter stands up and he quotes, I believe it's John, and says, and the Spirit will fall on all flesh. All flesh. There is no, I deserve it. You can't deserve the Holy Spirit on your life. You can't deserve healing on your life. The fact is, Jesus died because we, none of us was good enough. And yet out of his mercy, he just pours out his Holy Spirit. And so it's amazing to see signs and wonders, especially on Muslims. There's a guy in, um, in Egypt, and he's running a mega church in Egypt. He was all caught up in, in the, the Arab Spring and everything else, seeing lots of uh, persecution and whatever else, and, and miraculous moves of God. Um, but he has church members coming to him and says, Pastor, Pastor, please, can I be a Muslim just for one day? Can you let me be a Muslim just for one day? And the reason is, they have an outreach 
where every Muslim which comes in for prayer for healing gets instantly healed. In the church, it doesn't happen, but in the outreach, where there's Muslims coming, everyone, so he's got these guys who say, please, I want to get this rid of this, this, you know, this disease. Can I be a Muslim today? I'll come back to Christianity and be a Muslim today so God will heal me. Obviously, he says no. Anyway, carrying on in France, I then went up to this uh, other lady. Uh, well, actually, the guys went there first. And there's about three or four of them. None of them were ill. None of them want any prayer for anything. So I just said to them, I'll tell you what, are you willing to do an experiment? And one of the ladies went, yes. I'm thinking, wow, okay. So I just asked her to hold out her hands, and then without even touching her, I just prayed the Holy Spirit into her body, again, through a translator. Again, she's going, wow, what's that? All that heat's suddenly going, and now it's going up my arm, and now it's going all around my body. What is going on? This woman is experiencing the presence of God on, on the street in France. She hasn't said a prayer of, of salvation. She hasn't done anything, but the Holy Spirit is just falling upon her because as I said, the Holy Spirit will fall upon all flesh, righteous or unrighteous. Jesus did not go up to people and say, right, you've got to sort your life out, and then I'll pour my Holy Spirit upon you. No, he, he just blessed them and then told them, sin no more. He blessed them and then said, go and do this, go and do that. Anyway, I don't know what's that to do with my talk, but I just want to talk about great fun I had in France. Uh, turn in your Bible to Jeremiah 2. There's something been on my heart for a long time, and I want to share it this morning. I know I won't fit it all in. I've got three points. I'd be lucky to get two in, hopefully get one point in. Uh, so you, next time you'll get me, you might get some more of this. But Jer Jeremiah 2, I love this. One of my favorite passages at the moment. Jeremiah 2, verse 13. And to put it into context, um, Jeremiah is a prophet and he's speaking to the northern tribes of Israel. I believe that's right. I'm, I'm not, I might get that wrong. And, and in this, this verse, God is summing up why he's going to exile these Jewish people into basically slavery. And he says it's for this reason in Jeremiah 2 verse 13. My people have committed two sins or two evils. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Now, this is Father talking, and yet he says, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. We understand water and, and the flowing and rivers and rain to be the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this. If you reject the Holy Spirit, you don't just reject the Holy Spirit. You reject the Father and the Son. Jesus died so that you could have the Holy Spirit. He says eternal life. What he's talking about is the Holy Spirit coming upon you. If you reject the Holy Spirit, you reject God himself. It is amazing. In, in the Old Testament, um, when God says he's going to restrict um, age of people from whatever it was, 1,000 years to 120, it says it's because my spirit cannot bear their sin upon them. So the Father and the Son go, okay, well, we'll put, do down to 120 because then we'll look after the Holy Spirit. Jesus gets up in the temple and, and he says, you can condemn works, you can blaspheme against the Father and the Son, but do not blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, as in do not say the works of the Holy Spirit are something else, are evil, because if you do that, you will, you will commit the unforgivable sin. 
We don't mess around with mucking around with the Holy Spirit. He, he is very important, or she is very important, depending which bit in Scripture you're looking at. It, it basically, it's not, the Holy Spirit's not he or she. It's not in it either, so we have to work, we use one of them. Okay, so the first bit is don't reject the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying you have to be a weirdo. I don't have to be, you go all flaky, but do not reject the Holy Spirit. The second point is this. You have to dig your own cistern well, not your own, you have to dig God's system, sorry, but you have to dig God's system. A broken system is not good enough. You have to have a system that holds water. What is a system? Well, for all those who don't know, I know because I looked it up. Um, what a system is, it's a vessel to catch and store water. It could ta- catch rain or it could, could catch a spring. Or most of you have them in your houses you have a cistern above your toilet. It collects the water so it can flush the toilet. And there's a little pipe which goes in, and, and when you flush the toilet, you hear a pshh. What's that? That's the water going back in to fill up the cistern. So there's always a tank of water upon it. You see, it's not enough to experience the Holy Spirit. We have to build structures into our lives that can contain the Holy Spirit. It's not good enough to just say, to say, I love Holy Spirit and I love experiencing the Holy Spirit. It is our responsibility to follow God so that we build a life that contains his Holy Spirit. So put it this way, a lot of, a lot of Christians are like this who, who come to churches like ours. They'll come to a Sunday morning service or they'll go to a conference and they will, they will bathe underneath the waterfall and they'll just love the experience and they'll feel happy and they'll feel great because they're experiencing Holy Spirit and they're feeling close to God. And then comes Monday morning and they work into work and they start to feel dreary and tired. And they're going, oh, if only it was like this in Sunday in work because this is bad. And then as they go through their week, it gets harder and harder and all this stuff happens. And they're going, oh, I wish I was under that waterfall again. What's happening? They know how to be in the waterfall, but they don't know how to put a bucket or a cistern underneath the waterfall and take it with them wherever they go. Because that is what we're called to do. You see, we are supposed to be the light of the world. We're supposed to, to bring life to our offices, to our workplace, to our homes. So what we're supposed to do is get in the presence of God, collect a massive bucket of water, and then as we're going along our road, maybe we take a sip ourselves because we, we, we need a bit more life, and then we come to, our, to that person at work who just drains you and is so annoying and whatever else. But rather than them draining you, you give yourself a drink because you, know, you need a bit more energy, and then you give them a drink. And then there's that person over there suffering from depression. You go, hey, wait a minute, I've got something for this. I've got some life for you. Let me give you some of the water from my system, from my vessel, from my container, water that is within me, Holy Spirit, God himself, and let him change your life. Let him take away some of that depression. Maybe you meet someone who's suicidal and you give them life because we are not supposed to be Christians who just experience the power of God, but don't take it with us. I'll put it another way. You're supposed to be a glory carrier. You've heard that before, haven't you? A glory carrier. We're supposed to take the glory of God from the throne room to wherever it's needed, which means we need to have it within us. 
What does that mean? What does it mean to build a structure? What does it mean to have a system that contains the Holy Spirit within us? Well, I'm going to explain a bit about that this morning. But it's quite interesting because it, it, it says similar verses like this all over the Bible. Let's take when, when the Ten Commandments comes up. God says to Moses, these, will, these Israelites, they will be my people and I will be their God and all the other promises you give them if. Two conditions. Two conditions here. One, they hear my voice. It's talking about prophecy. It's about that daily hearing what God's saying to me today. And the second thing was this, that they keep my covenant. What's my covenant? Well, that's keeping in relationship, keeping myself right with God. But it's also this, keeping the commandments of God. God says in prophetic words to Joshua, he says to him, meditate on my law, or it was the, basically, he didn't have the whole Bible, but it was some of the books of the Bible. Meditate on my law day and night and put it on your mouth day and night. Why would he need to tell Joshua that? Remember, Joshua was a guy more blessed than Moses. How? Well, you see, they had this tent of meeting, and in the tent of meeting was the Ark of the Covenant. And at the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God would just come, and God would speak to Moses face to face. And then Moses would have to go and leave the tent to go and look after the people. But it says in the Bible that Joshua got to stay and remain in the presence of God all the time. Joshua is someone who's, who's hearing the voice of God, who's going to see angels and have all these encounters with God. And what does God tell him? Make sure you're reading your Bible. Make sure you're putting your Bible on your mouth. Make sure you're, you're thinking about it day and night. Why? Because we've got the water, which is the prophecy. We've got the water, which is experiencing God. And then you need to have structure upon structure upon structure so that you can contain the glory of God. What is that? That's what God's already told you. You need both to be a glory carrier. You with me? Brilliant. Okay. Turn with me to, uh, to John 4, verse 13. And that, this is how Jesus teaches it in the New Testament. It's slightly different. We need the Holy Spirit and we need structure. 4 verse 13. Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman at the well who's, well, she's sexually immoral and she's been outcast from the rest of society. And Jesus says to him, verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. It's the same thing. Just slightly different language. Don't worry. We're going to do loads and loads of different examples and pictures. It all means the same thing. Water inside you so that you can give away. Water inside you so you can sustain yourself and meet the needs of a hurting world. He gives this to this lady, this first concept of this, and then it goes into verse 21. Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father and spirit and truth. 
For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshippers. Now that word truth means complete clarity, transparency. What is Jesus saying to the woman? It's something we know now. No longer will you have to go to the temple to worship God. But you can worship God in spirit and in truth. It's though the veil has been taken away and now there's clarity. You you before God. We know that. We know that we can go right into the throne room of God and experience his presence. Go right into the throne room of God and be with God himself. You don't need a Sunday morning service to do that. What is the first key I want to give you to being a container of the Holy Spirit? It's don't rely on a Sunday service to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be, rely on a conference to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Learn how to find the well yourself. The new covenant is this. I can go to God's throne room whenever I want to. I remember when we had that great outpouring a, a few years ago, something Jared kept saying, which, which I remember was this. He kept saying, take this home with you. Take this home with you. It's not good enough just to have this amazing Holy Spirit experience in this meeting. Take this home with you. Do you know what? I wish that your quiet times and your devotional times with God, that they would be so much better than what you ever experienced on the Sunday morning service. Not because we're going to dumb this down. No, I want this even better. But because you don't need me, you don't need a worship band. You need the Holy Spirit and he will be poured out on you in measure upon measure. I would love everyone here to have experiences with God, to see angels in their living room or wherever they pray, to experience God for themselves. You see, what happens if you can experience God for yourself and you're not reliant on other people? What happens when you can learn to catch the rain of heaven yourself? That means when you're in the office and you're still catching the reign of God because you can do it even when you're working at a typewriter or, well, who uses typewriters anymore? Anyway, computer. (laughs) What happens? Well, because I'm like a broken toilet. What happens with broken toilets? Well, we had a broken toilet. It never stopped filling. So you'd always hear a pshh. And what would happen? Well, it would fill up and then it would overflow. And then it will overflow, and it will overflow as it just kept filling up. You can be that person in the office. You're just there loving God, experiencing God, doing your work, and the overflow of the Holy Spirit is affecting that person who's, committed, who's, who's considering suicide. The, 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 the overflow is affecting the other person over there down your street who, who wants to know God but is, is, wants the courage to go to church. From the overflow, God can speak And change people's lives. And guess what? When you give out some of your water to someone, when you let someone drink, you get filled up again. You get filled up again. You get filled up again. The more you can fill yourself up, the more you can give away. Same language which Jesus is saying is, let it be a spring within you. Not just a place you go to and collect, as in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, let that water spring up within you. Learn how to to let the Holy Spirit flow through you in your own room. That's my first key for you. My second key, I want to go to John 7. Verse 37. Now on the the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. 
He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke of the Spirit. Now this verse here, these few verses here, and the ones I read to you in John 4, annoyed me for a little while. Because I just said to God, but you know, that's not true. As in, that's what I read in the Bible, but I don't see that. I don't see that the people that we pastor, and even in my life, people experience the river of God. I can see people, and, and maybe they've got in the river, and it's a bit cold, so they're shaking a bit. Or maybe they're just splashing it around a bit. I know you, you, I've seen people completely overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit, and know they're not faking it, can see what's going on, and yet their lives are unchanged. As in they have issues and problems and they never get it sorted out. And they, they come to you and say, I'm dry. I'm dry. I need, I need more of God. I'm so dry. I wish I could have the Holy Spirit in me. I'm so dry. And yet you see him experience the Holy Spirit time and time again. And yet it never seems to become a river within them. They, never, they seem to be thirsty again. But Jesus, you said, if you drink of this river, you will never thirst again. I'm going, this, something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. So I did think about, well, there's lots of different streams, so maybe you have to get lots of different streams, but then I realized that's going a bit wrong, and, and 1 Corinthians really taught me, don't go down that way. So then I, I looked a bit more into the Greek, and it, and it says, for those who keep on drinking, keep on drinking, they will never thirst again. But I looked at that and went, yeah, but that's a bit of a cop-out, really. The context is, if you drink of my water then you will never thirst. If, it, if it's just like saying, well, if you drink and you keep on drinking and you keep on drinking, you'll never be thirsty. That's like those gypsies who said you're a penny to put in your purse. And you say, well, you, your purse will never be empty as long as you have that penny in it. So I didn't, I didn't like that answer either. So I did something radical and just asked God himself rather than actually studying it. And as soon as I asked, I got this. They come to wash, but they do not drink. They come to wash, but they do not drink. Now, what I mean by the Holy Spirit saying that to me is it was like suddenly a thought, which was kind of my thought, but not my thought. It wasn't this big, booming voice. But suddenly I knew, as you spend time with God, you know how God's speaking to you. They come to wash, but they do not drink. See, a lot of people, they come to experience the Holy Spirit, to get refreshed, to feel clean again, to feel pure again. But unless they actually drink, it never becomes part of them. See, when I drink, that water is now me. I don't know what it is. I'll be 90% water or something like that. That water is now going to go into me and it's now, this water is going to be me in a bit. As I keep drinking, I'm drinking more of me now. What do, I, what do I mean? I mean, they allow the Holy Spirit to touch them, but they don't allow the Holy Spirit to transform them from the inside out. Jesus told a parable, parable about a, a foolish Buddha, foolish, foolish Buddha? No, not really. Foolish builder who built his house on the sand and a wise man who built his, ha- his house on the rock. And I was taught this one, in this, this story in Sunday school, and it's always taught to me, so you better read your Bible. That's not the point of that parable. The foolish builder who builds on the sand hears the word of God, understands, reads their Bible, goes to church. This is not about people who have never heard God, knows what they should be doing, but decides, I'm not going to obey it. 
The person on the rock says, I hear and I obey. I hear and I obey. I hear and I put it in practice. What are they doing? They're building a structure that will contain the Holy Spirit. What happens to when you decide what I'm going to believe and what I'm not? Well, am I going to trust the Father in this one or am I only going to take what I think is right from the Bible or whatever God says? What happens? The storm comes, you're left with a broken system a broken container. What happens when you build on the word of God, when you build upon the commands, upon what he's telling you to do, when you live a moral life, when you put into practice what the Bible says, you build a house that stands firm. And that house can contain the Holy Spirit. For me, that really slam dunked that whole argument I was having. Yeah, they come to wash, but they're not willing to allow their lives to be transformed. They come to wash, but they're not willing to stop gossiping. They come to wash, but not willing to tithe. They come to wash, but still they're a nasty person. Galatians 5 puts it like this. Verse 16, Galatians 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. We're saying the things I want to do, that's what the desire of the flesh is. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enemies, whatever that is, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. Don't know what that is either. And things like these. You should get a different Bible. Of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, you can experience the Holy Spirit, but you will not inherit the kingdom. You will not inherit love, joy, peace, faithfulness into your life unless you put the structures that God has put into the Bible into your life. If you just live how you want to live, oh, you can have an experience of the Holy Spirit. But you won't bring the kingdom of God to earth. If we want to change Hull and the surrounding area, if we want to bring the kingdom of God to earth, we need to love his commands. We need to love the structures he puts in place. Because otherwise, we we are only getting blessed for ourselves. Only getting blessed for ourselves. Let me turn to 1 Thessalonians. I'm doing more scriptures, so... You know I've read my Bible, and I'm not just making this up. 1 Thessalonians 4. Finally then, brethren. Oh, actually, I'll read it in NIV for you. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you to live in order to please more and more, for you know what instructions, structures, commands, what instructions we gave you by the authority of Lord Jesus. It's it's God's will that you should be sanctified. What's that? Purified, made holy. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in a passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. What's that saying? It doesn't matter what you feel. 
Doesn't matter what your base desires are, you need to follow God. Doesn't matter if you feel it's right, but you know the word of God says it's wrong. If you, if you live by your own desires, by your own appetites, you are a broken system which the Holy Spirit cannot be contained in. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me carry on. And that in this matter, no one should, should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. Wow, this is grace. This is New Testament. We'll punish those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction, these structures, does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. I mean, that's tough. But that's the truth. If we live by our own passions and desires rather than the leadings of the Holy Spirit, we reject the Holy Spirit. We reject him. Oh, you may experience him. Oh, you may, you may experience him in meetings and you may see stuff happen. You may see the, the odd healing happen. But if you really want to carry the glory of God within you, as it says somewhere else in the Bible, you need to flee all immorality. If you reject God's commands, biblical morality, you are rejecting the river. See, it's spirit and word all in one. You may splash about in it, but you will never store it. So let me give you one story. I was completely overwhelmed with the power of God a few years ago. So much so <laughs> that when I woke up the morning after I'd been in the meeting and this had happened, I was still absolutely lost in the presence of God. It was like this massive bubble all around me. It was brilliant. So do you know what I decided to do when I woke up, which was at four o'clock? Previously, before that time, I'd go and just watch TV to see if I'd go fall asleep again. I suddenly went, oh, wait a minute, I'm waking up at four o'clock all the time. I wonder if there's a reason for this. And I'm now feeling this amazing presence around me. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start my quiet times every day at four o'clock. What was I doing? I was building a structure that could contain the Holy Spirit. And I was meeting God more powerfully in those <laughs> four o'clock. I was mad. But anyway, four o'clock prayer meetings. When I was meet on a Sunday, didn't mean I didn't want to come on a Sunday. Didn't, didn't mean that I didn't have an amazing experience with, with Holy Spirit on a Sunday morning and I didn't want to be there. But I was not dependent on my Sunday mornings. I was dependent on God. I was dependent on the Holy Spirit who is the source. And then later that day, so, so I started prayer meetings, I mean, my own quiet devotional times and that happened. And then I went to work uh, a bit, a few hours later, absolutely buzzing. It was brilliant. And, you know, talked to the receptionist all about what happened at the weekend and how all these healings, amazing stuff. And loving, thinking revival is going to break out everywhere. Everyone's going to be saved. Go into the kitchen. And I can't quite remember, but there was all these really stupid procedures for how to make a coffee and what you should do and not use that and use this. And I just went, I'll oh, stuff that. I'm late because I've been talking. I'll just do this coffee and, and do, use the wrong thing to make my cup of coffee. And I've stood there and I go, wow, 
The Holy Spirit is all upon me, and yet I can still sin. Now, you might say, that's not a bad sin. It's still, I know I'm doing wrong. I know I'm, I'm not obeying the authority in, in the workplace. I can still do wrong things, even though I am completely overwhelmed in the Holy Spirit. That was a really important lesson for me. So when I went home, now what me and Leslie used to love doing at that time was watch crime dramas. It was the kind of thing we did together. It may not be the healthiest thing, but we would watch like two, two hours, maybe more of a crime drama on a night, and that was the thing we did. I suddenly didn't want to watch crime dramas, not because they were wrong. There was no real bad sexual stuff in it or real bad language or anything. But I just felt the call of Holy Spirit to go away and pray. But this is, this is a little tussle I had. I know I enjoyed watching those programs. But I made a decision. I'm going to go away and pray. What was I doing? I was building a structure within my life that could be filled with the Holy Spirit. I then got convicted about some of the other stuff we'd watched and some of the other programs I'd watched. And I, I, knew, I knew they were wrong because I'd already had that little tussle with me in there, which you all have when we ignore, you know, should I be watching this, should I not be watching this? And I just gave them up, just like that. Did I know that those TV programs gave me pleasure? Did I know that if I would watch that TV program for a two or three hours, I would have some pleasure? Yes. But I decided I wanted God more. I decided I, I wanted to have more of him and his holiness all the time creating structures within my life so that Holy Spirit could fill me up. So I was at this real interesting state, and I hope you get to experience it, is that the Holy Spirit is all over me, and each decision I'm making day by day, I'm going, I like doing that. That is what I enjoy doing, but Holy Spirit is telling me to do something else. I'm deciding to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, even though I get, that gives me lots of pleasure. Sometimes it was wrong stuff. This is one I had to give up, which... I didn't like giving up and I couldn't give you a biblical reason why to and I don't think it was wrong to. I had to give up watching Match of the Day. I love Match of the Day. But it wasn't because Match of the Day was wrong. It was just, this was the issue, which I clicked on to later on. Well, because to watch Match of the Day, you have to stay up late, which means, well, that impacts my prayer time in the morning. Hadn't clicked. Why am I telling you this? It's because when the Holy Spirit comes upon your life, you have a decision. Do I follow Holy Spirit and put structures into my life? Or do I just follow my own appetites and desires and passions that I have within me? Appetites and desires and passions which may be sinful. They may be, I don't know why they would ever be sinful. But this is where it really, the rubber really hits the road. It's not just I will do command upon command upon command upon command and live a biblical lifestyle. It's this, whatever Holy Spirit says, I will go and do. Whatever Holy Spirit says, I will go and do. This time in my life, it was a bit of a scary time when we went out for mealtimes because I, I would go out for a mealtime and I'll be so sensitive to what Holy Spirit was saying. So he would tell me, go and, sit, go and pray for that person over on that table. Oh, I'm out with my family, I've just... Been busy all week and now I've got to do that. And I'll have a little tussle and then I'll go, okay, 
Holy Spirit, I don't want to lose your presence. I don't want to lose this closeness. I will go and make a fool of myself for you. Sometimes I even got it wrong, which I never understood that one. I, but anyway, it's like, I, I remember this one time, it was actually in, in, a, in a pub somewhere, and uh, I had a word of knowledge for someone, and I got their name and everything. And I was having this massive tussle for about 20 minutes because my parents were there, and I wanted to say, spend time with my parents. And then when I went up to the, to the table, it was completely wrong. I'm going, what? What was that? But I'm so glad I went. I'm so glad I went. I went, I went to uh, my, my neighbor's house to pray for them for healing for, um, because they've got problems with their back and they, they, most of the time they're in a wheelchair. I went to pray for him and he didn't let me pray for him. So I, I asked. He didn't let me pray. But do you know what? I'm so glad I went because I followed the, the leadings of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that necessarily you always see breakthrough. Sometimes you just follow the leadings of the Holy Spirit and you just go, I got it wrong or I don't really know what happened but I'm so glad I went with what I thought Holy Spirit was saying so what, what am I saying this morning you need to learn how to encounter Holy Spirit by yourself don't rely on a certain song don't rely on, on a certain conference or a Sunday morning or a certain group learn how to have your own relationship with God don't stop meeting but learn to depend on Holy Spirit rather than yourself. Don't reject the discipline or structure of the Bible. It's not anti-Holy Spirit discipline and structure. It's pro-Holy Spirit. It's what allows the Holy Spirit to come and fill. Live a life worthy of the calling that God has given you. In other words, stop sinning. And put structures around yourself, like prayer times, which can change day upon day and... and however you want to do it, but you put structures around your life to host the Holy Spirit, to allow you to drink so that you are a blessing to people and not a drain. But when you come here on a Sunday morning, it's not you're waiting for everyone else to get it going so that you can enjoy the river flowing all over this place. No, you come here and you're pouring out the Holy Spirit into this atmosphere. When you go into your, into your office uh, on Monday morning, you're not there going, oh, what is all, what's happening here and what is, is how this atmosphere is going to affect me. No, be so full and being continually filled by the Holy Spirit that nothing can get into you because the rivers that are flowing out of you are so strong that the current in your workplace cannot come against. And rather than being affected by the atmosphere you walk into, you affect the atmosphere. You change the atmosphere. How does it come? By learning how to be a glory carrier. Amen. 